Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am here with Corey, the superintendent of Breck. We're going to be talking about our shared love of accounting, entrepreneurship, and also his status as a superintendent for 10 years now within Breck and within Bat. We're not the superintendent for 10 years. A member of Breck for 10 years. Correct. Working with Breck for 10 years. Superintendent for almost four. Almost four years. Yes. So we're going to get into all of that and what Breck does. But before we do that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout out to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible each and every week. Government Taco, Falaya Real Estate, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and newly appointed Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. And without further ado, Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Patty. Good to be here. Thank you for coming on and coming on on such short notice. I know we booked this within four days or something, yes. so I appreciate your time and efforts to come out here, man. Thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think you're the first person to call on a Friday and, and get an appointment for a Tuesday, so congratulations on that. Over Labor Day weekend, too. Yes, yes. yes. I think we both had a couple of cancellations that allowed it to happen, but happy to be here. Obviously, it was meant to be then. If you had some cancellations to That's get right. here, I'm... Thank you for doing so. So who are you and what do you do? So, yeah, Corey Wilson, um, married to, to Kay Wilson, uh, daughter Naima Wilson, uh, born and raised in New Orleans. Um, went to school all over the country, worked all over the country, and now I'm fortunate enough to be the sixth superintendent of the Recreation and Park Commission for the Parish of East Baton Rouge, uh, better known as Breck. You see why we call it Breck now. It's a long name. I was about to say, how, how do we get to Breck? Because I read it was like it's a lot more than just Breck. Yes, yes. And so uh, I've been very fortunate to, to um, start where I started in New Orleans and, and to be uh, here in, in Baton Rouge. I'm just, I'm, I'm living the dream. So, Yeah, and that's Quite a dream to live, being involved within the parish and everything that y'all have going on. So how did we get here? Because from my understanding, your your background is not in parks and recreation. It's within right. something entirely different. So kind of walk us through from undergraduate on how you kind of got to be where you are. Yeah, so um, again, even before... Uh, undergraduate and I, I have a 13 year old daughter now so some of these conversations are, are coming back around but you know what do you want to be in life type of discussions and um, you know I, I was from a rough neighborhood in in, in New Orleans and um, my mom had me when she was very young and my dad wasn't around and just just some challenging situations and I say that to say I wasn't um, uh, I certainly was exposed to more than maybe some of my uh, counterparts, but still, it was limited exposure in that uh, by the time I was deciding a career, it was it was doctor, lawyer, or professional athlete, you know? And at one point, I, I narrowed down the, the professional athlete, and I was going to be a doctor and a lawyer, you know, because, you know, Double what, hitter. what else is there to do? But um, uh, did well in, in high school and ha had a counselor who, who sort of recommended um, that, that I, I go to Morehouse College in, in Atlanta. Now, I, had a <clears throat> I was pretty good in, in, in sports, actually. One of my claim to fame is that I was uh, selected as, as uh, most intelligent and most athletic for, for my 200-plus uh, class. And so <laughs> I, I still hold that as, as one of my highest uh, achievements. But... 
Um, and so I say that to say I had a, a scholarship to play football at, at Southern. Uh, but I graduated high school in, in 92. Um, New Orleans was the, the murder capital of the world. And I was trying to escape that as, as much as possible. And Southern wasn't far enough for me. <laughs> you <laughs> wanted so, to get way outside of New Orleans. <laughs> and so decided to go to Morehouse College in Atlanta, which was, which was far. But also I had family there. A couple of my mom's brothers and sisters had moved there over the years. Um, and so it was, it was a good balance between getting away but still having family there. Um, now, while I was in high school, I did a little of work at a medical um, library. In fact, LSU's Medical Center uh, Library, I worked there. And uh, again, this is how you make decisions in life when you're 15 and 16. But as working in that library, and again, at this time, I want to be a doctor and a lawyer. Um, and, and I remember working in my job was simple, just putting books back on the shelf and those sort of things like that. But I distinctly remember thinking to myself, Man, there are a lot of old guys in here that are still <laughs> reading books. <laughs> like studying for exams? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, man, if, if it takes that to be a doctor, maybe I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> now, again, hindsight is 2020, and I understand anybody, even lawyers and accountants, and regardless of, of how old you are, you have to stay on top of your craft, and that requires research and all sorts of things. And so, again, that was, that was the mind of a 15, 16-year-old. But that, right. that's what ultimately decided that I wanted to go to law school. And so even when I went to college, in fact, my, my, my um, freshman year major was English because, you know, lawyers is either English or political science or history, philosophy. Or <laughs> and so after my first year of English, I got the question, you know, Corey, if you don't go straight to law school, what are you going to do with an English degree? It's a very Again, valid question. Very, very <clears throat> valid question. And by this time, I'm 18 or 19, and so right. still not fully developed. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And this is also, not to interrupt, in the, just to uh -huh. give some t reference of time, this is in the 90s, right? Yes. So there yes. was no social media yeah, or yeah. no internet blogs Correct. that you Correct. can use an English degree for. Whereas nowadays, no. a lot of people can get an English degree oh, and yeah, do a yes. bunch of things. Absolutely. So just to put, again, a lens of perspective yes. onto this decision. But again, as an attorney, you know, writing and reading, all that stuff is very important. I enjoy reading and writing. And so English made sense at the time. But after my first year, my, my uncle, who helped raise me, asked that question. I said, great question. And so I had always done well in math. And it just so happened when I was at Morehouse College in Atlanta, um, I connected with everybody who was from New Orleans, right? You just sort of, <laughs> you sort of hover around people that you're familiar with, and you gotta get away from home, and then you find home right. there. <laughs> right, right, right. And it just so happened that most of these guys were majoring in accounting. Again, I'm probably not the best way to make a decision, but I was, I was, had always done well in math, and so uh, I knew accounting would afford me. Uh, you know, it would answer that question, what do you do after college if you don't go straight to law school? I knew right. accounting would provide a good opportunity. And so uh, and so that's what happened. I, I was fortunate enough to do well in accounting, actually help some of my friends graduate <laughs> who had started in accounting before I did. In fact, I finished as a top accounting uh, senior when I graduated from Morehouse. And that that afforded me the opportunity to, to work at Ernst & Young. It was one of the big six back say, in that's 96. A that's a prestigious job to get. They don't just yes. give those out. <laughs> right. Like that is 
Congrats yes. to you. Big six accounting firm. I think it's maybe big three or big four now, uh, all the consolidation that's that's taken place. Um, and so worked as an accountant for, for a couple years, staff accountant. Um, took the CPA exam uh, at least once, maybe twice, <laughs> and uh, but not serious enough because, again, my, my plan was always to go to law school. school. Right. And so I, um, after two years and, you know, that two-year period, it's yeah, you either got to pass the CPA or you can't work for us anymore <laughs> kind of deal. But uh, I, they, they gave you like a deadline? No, they didn't. But it's one of those unwritten like, rules ah, when you're okay. in those major corporate firms like that. You know, they, they don't say that mm-hmm. out loud, but that's sort of a understood rule. But nonetheless, I, I was moving towards uh, going to law school. I did my, you know, two years, year and a half of, of work experience, make me a better candidate for law school. And so I applied to, to look every law school under the sun. Cause again, my objective was just to go to law school. So I applied everywhere from Southern to, to the top law schools in the country. Um, um, you know, Tulane and Loyola and Texas and Virginia and USC and uh, everywhere you can imagine. And also while I was in school doing my business uh, degree, business administration, focus in accounting, we had a session where we were practicing on writing thank you letters, right? I don't know if people still write thank you letters, but <laughs> in college it was a <laughs> they great taught you how to do it. <laughs> it was a great exercise and it actually uh, as part of that exercise we had to write thank you letters to to a group of uh, business guys who came to talk to us. Uh, one of the guys responded to my letter and said, hey, let's do lunch and let's keep in touch. Uh, turns out he went to Harvard Law School and he strongly encouraged that I apply to Harvard along with all the other schools that I was applying to. Never intended to apply to Harvard or Yale or anything like that, but he strongly encouraged. Um, I applied. He, he wrote a letter of recommendation. I had a couple other letters of recommendation. Uh, did well enough on the LSAT and and was fortunate enough to get into Harvard Law School, um, along with every other school I applied to, <laughs> with the exception of uh, the University of Texas. I was put on hold for the University of Texas. But the University of Texas put you on hold? Yeah, well, they did call me back after I had accepted at uh, Harvard. And so the lady says, uh, I was like, oh, thank you, but I, I, I just accepted. And she was like, oh, what school? And I said, Harvard? She's like, oh, that's a good school. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're okay. Right. You know, University of Harvard, they're, Harvard's okay. Nothing so, compared to University so, yeah, of Texas. Nothing against uh, <laughs> University of Texas, but, uh, you know, hopefully Alabama kills them this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're one of the few Louisianans voting hoping Alabama wins. <laughs> right. So, so then, you know, I'm fortunate enough to get out of, get out of Harvard. <clears throat> at the time, you know, either the decisions is corporate law or pretty much government law, you know, go work for a judge and prosecutor and, and work that angle or go work for a private firm was, was sort of the two options. And again, uh, coming from humble backgrounds, uh, realizing that I could get six figures right after graduating <laughs> law school versus a 40,000 job as, as a criminal defense attorney, um, I, I made the decision to, to go corporate. And again, it was sort of based on that, uh, uh, the salary more than anything. And quickly found out that, that um, 
that that wasn't a passion of mine. Uh, <clears throat> keeping track of my time every seven minutes and <laughs> all those sort of things that lawyers are required to do uh, was not working out for me. And then 9-11 hit, and that changed everything, literally. I mean, we, we can't go to the airport the same way we did before 9-11. Uh, and so it literally changed everything, including a lot of things economically. I was okay. I was sort of uh, insulated at the law firm. And, you know, I wasn't in jeopardy of losing my job, but I had a couple of friends who were working in DC. In fact, I had a friend who was uh, graduated from Wharton, who was working at Accenture and he got laid off I Had another friend in New York. He was doing some venture capital work. There were no more venture capital dollars after nine 11. And so these guys were like, Hey, what are we going to do? And they made the decision to move back to new Orleans and ultimately invited me to join them. Um, the thought at the time when we decided to move back to New Orleans in 2001 or 2002, it was, was that it was a new mayor, business minded mayor. It was Ray Nagin. Now he turned out to be, you know, just as bad as all the career politicians. <laughs> but at the time he was coming from Cox and it was, oh, it's a business guy. He's not affiliated with anything. And so we, again, based on his business and based on the fact that he had uh, promoted uh, small businesses, uh, disadvantages businesses. He wanted every contract to have 35%. And so we went back with the thought that there are, and this was in 2002. Now, this will sound familiar to you because I think this is how your, 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 your podcast started. Uh, we moved back to New Orleans with the thought process of, okay, they're requiring every contract to have a small uh, local minority firm. Who better than us? We're from here. We're smart guys. Uh, we have experience other places, but we're from here. And so that worked to successfully uh, for 10 years. Um, now, Katrina hit in 05, and that shaped what we were doing, and we started doing a lot of more FEMA work. But uh, from 02 to 2012, I was, you know, a, a full-fledged entrepreneur and, and, and was doing quite well. In fact, um, now I got married in 2008, had a baby in 2009, and by 2012, all the traveling I was doing, chasing FEMA disasters as a, as a consultant, um, my wife was giving me hints that that wasn't necessarily, uh, <laughs> you know, working out her as a single mom. Right. And, and, and so I got enough hints. You never say it anything directly, but it was enough hints that when somebody came to me and said, hey, do you see this job, this new job that Brick has? They're looking for someone with business, legal, and government experience. I said, wow, I have my own business. I'm, I'm licensed in, 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 in Texas, um, and I've been working with FEMA since, since Katrina. I, I check all three of those boxes. This was actually in September of 2012, so, so 10 years ago. Um, but my first question was, wait, tell me this. What's Breck? And so <laughs> you had no idea what Breck was. I had no idea what Breck was. Again, I moved here in 2008 when I got married, but I still was doing a lot of traveling. And so right. I wasn't embedded in the community. I was going back and forth from New Orleans. Uh, and so the job sounded great, uh, but I had no idea what Breck was. And so fast forward uh, 10 years now, and it's, it's kind of ironic. And like I say, living the dream, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fortunate enough to be the head of what I believe is the greatest park and recreation agency in the country. 
Um, and I, I, you know, so very, very fortunate to be here, but that's, that's how I ended up here. So you then came on as legal counsel to Breck? I did. And so they, uh, the, the previous superintendent, Carolyn McKnight created that, that, that job because, you know, prior to my, me starting in December, 2012, I guess the previous 67 years, Breck didn't have in-house counsel. So every agreement we had went out to outside counsel. And look, we have a lot of agreements. Is she friends with your wife? (laughs) (laughs) Can you create a job for my husband to keep him here? Maybe she was. But but yeah, and so I came on as as our in-house legal counsel. I also had the opportunity to, to supervise our human resources and finance and communication and IT uh, departments. We created an internal audit department. And so I joked all the time about how I had two jobs, chief administrative officer and in-house legal counsel, but it was only getting paid for one. <laughs> I joked about that a lot, but the experience provided me the opportunity that in August of 18, when, when uh, Superintendent McKnight announced her retirement, it put me in great position Right. Because I had the opportunity to see everything that had been going on uh, for six years. And even though I wasn't in charge of the zoo or in charge of golf or in charge of construction, because my position of legal and chief administrative officer, I was still able to see all those areas as well, work closely with the board. And so when it came time, uh, although we had great uh, competition from from guys from texas and houston all the way to oakland california uh the commission because of the relationship we had developed was was confident enough in and uh appointing me the, the the next superintendent so and i think having somebody who's local to the area been involved with everything for so long kind of also makes a better fit geographically because they can come in and understand what is needed to be done based on the experience they've seen. Yes, and that, that played a bigger role than you probably can appreciate, um, especially with the previous superintendent not being from Louisiana, <laughs> right? And so uh, although I'm from New Orleans, I was given a little more grace uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I am from, from South Louisiana. <clears throat> And and I'm not, and so I am from within the state, and yeah. that that well, does well, within an hour and a half we welcome you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. That has helped me out, and uh, certainly uh, in in my tenure. Yeah, yeah, and that's, <clears throat> I mean, when you look at anything, somebody being from this part of this state or part of the country, they understand a little bit differently. You know, my dad always told me a story about a contractor he was working with, and they were saying, well, why why are all the water lines, you know? 12 to 15 inches below the ground. Like, what happens during the wintertime? Don't they freeze? <laughs> and I was like, where are you from? Right, <laughs> right, we're, right, from right. we're from Michigan or we're from New York or something. He goes, yeah, yeah, no. It doesn't get that cold down here. <laughs> we had yes. to put a moisture barrier for the, water t- for, the, right. for the water table. It's so different when you live it, you experience it every day in your normal course of action that being involved in it professionally, it's just so much easier gels. And I'm sure once you're able to step into that role, you were like, okay, I already know everything. I know how it all works. Let, let's put the foot down and let's get going. Yeah, look, I, I, again, I've had the chance to live in Atlanta and Houston and, and Boston um, and, and, you know, several other places for six months at a time, thank, thanks to some of my consulting work. Um, but, yeah, there are unique differences here that can only be appreciated <laughs> if you live here. And so uh, that certainly helps advance a lot of conversations a lot quicker than, than if I wasn't here. And so, look, I'm, I'm – Again, still not from Baton Rouge, so I'm, I'm still learning a lot. 
Um, um, but I know South Louisiana, you know, yeah. I, I know what, yeah. uh, I know crawfish, I know football, <laughs> I, I, know, I know our priorities, you know what I mean? <laughs> In that order, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what, I mean, for, for when people think of Breck, they think of a variety of things, mm -hmm. but what would you describe Breck as? Yeah, you know, Breck is, um, we're, we're the organization that, that, um, provides, opportunities for for you to live your best life is is and that's the first time i've ever described it that way but um when thinking about the importance of what we do you know they oftentimes say well you're not more important than a doctor or you know a fireman will go and save a life or you know police will save a life and so you know my follow-up to that is though you know those folks are saving lives but then we give you something to do with your life, right? <laughs> um, I mean, Once you've been saved, you, yeah, I mean, you can't yeah. be getting saved all I mean, the time. I mean, we, you don't, we don't want you just sitting on your sofa, right? I mean, right. And, and, and so, yeah, we, we provide those opportunities. And look, people have to voluntarily select what we offer. You know, it's not like the police. There's only one phone number. You call 911. You, you have to decide that I'm going to spend my time at a park or I'm going to spend my time at the zoo or I'm going to spend my time playing golf. And so what we do is, is as, uh, I mean, we're competing with businesses. I make no, make no doubt about it. Uh, the, you know, movie theaters are trying to get you to come to the movies and we're trying to get you to come to the Liberty Lagoon, you know? And so there's certainly a business aspect there, um, in terms of the work that we do, but, but yeah, that, that's, you know, that's that's at the core of what we do is is provide people opportunities to, to, to live their best life. And not just from an entertainment perspective, but um, the pandemic showed us that that getting outside and being active is an essential part. <laughs> of, Sometimes the <laughs> only thing that yes, you can do. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and that was allowed you know, right up there with going and get food and going and get medicine. You were allowed to get outside and get activity because, quite frankly, it's the equivalent of, of good food and medicine because it determines the health of, of your life. And so you don't just want a life. You want a healthy life. You want a, a, a full life of, of experiences and enjoyment. And that's what Breck provides. I'm not going to lie. During the pandemic and the shutdown, I was one of those people that was walking the golf courses that Breck has okay. walked web many a times during the pandemic, walked Santa Maria many a times because that was available, right? Y'all oh, yes. op oh, opened yes. the courses up and said you can walk right. for free. Right. Well, we didn't say that, but <laughs> we didn't stop anyone. I was about to say, no one, no one told us we couldn't. <laughs> I, I even looked around like, are we gonna, is this okay? Is I, I did get a couple calls saying, hey, I'm out here. Is it okay? <laughs> like, but, I mean, I think at, at Webb, y'all had opened the gates, right? Y'all oh, yeah, had opened yeah, yeah. the gates no, no, for it was, it was It was absolutely a conscious decision by us because we had to close in order to retrofit a lot of things. You know, we had to do the plexiglass right. and all that. We had to set up uh, stuff outside because it was safer outside. And so we did have to, to close operations for about four to six weeks. But by while we were doing it, we still had to take care of the course, right? We still had to cut the grass and cut the greens and mow the lawn and all those sort of things. And so, um, 
yeah, we we weren't. And, and again, it was a sensual activity to get out there. You know, the governor's telling you to get outside, and we couldn't say, no, get off the golf course. You know, that just <laughs> wasn't going to Stay off my lawn, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it, it didn't make sense for us. But, it again, it shows you the assets that we have uh, that, that the community has, right? I mean, it, it's the taxpayers' dollars. It's their golf course. You know, who, who right. am I to <laughs> close it <laughs> when the governor says get out and be out? Now, we did have conversations directly with the governor about, Hey, we don't see golf courses anywhere on this list. Is that something we're allowed to keep open? And he he encouraged us to keep them open. So that was great. Yeah, and I think ultimately I was actually just having a conversation with a, a buddy of mine about this a couple of weeks ago. Like last week, I think it was, we were playing Santa Maria, and we noticed the uptick in the usage of the courses from COVID. Yes. And, again, I don't know if that in part convinced a lot more people to find an outdoor hobby. Yes. Or the fact that they were able to go play so much without what they thought was a burdensome fee. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, this isn't actually that bad. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. They, they started to love it so much that now even after COVID, it's, well, we're going to go out there every single week or we're going to go out there so often. And people realized they could fit that into their life more mm-hmm. and more importantly, how enjoyable it was. Yes, enjoyable uh, and, and important. Again, you know, one of the things we... we we say is either you take your medicine now by, by getting outside and being active or, or you take it later when you when you're 60 years old and you have to take medicine for this and medicine for that because you know you weren't weren't as as active now some of that stuff is is um, um, you know DNA so we, we don't want to <laughs> uh, criticize folks who are, who are taking medicine and those sort of things but we do encourage people to be active and in fact, uh, funny story. I, I just had a conversation with my golf director in the bathroom earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the best conversations happen in the bathrooms. <laughs> and then, the- you know, because we are at, at the beginning of a month, and I'm always curious, how did we do last month? And and again, we we've been on a historic run, um, uh, literally a historic run, the highest amount of activity we've seen at our golf courses <laughs> in Breck's you know history has happened since 2020 2020 was uh a record year 21 was even better than 20 and 22 is showing to be better than 21 and so he and i were like you know is this the new norm and to your point i i think it is i think that we have acquired uh new new players uh, and and some of the old players are playing more often uh, and I think we've, we've also uh, received some traffic from, from other courses that have either had to shut down or aren't able to, to maintain themselves. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we've been fortunate, but that, that, that continues to be um, a good source of people to get outside and be active. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that they, they pay us a few dollars to do it. That helps sustain everything else that we're doing. Yeah, and I think those – those paid avenues within Breck, because not everything is paid. You right. know, for example, the Goodwood Park that is there. Right. That is something that, like, I'm able to walk to. Yes. And you don't realize how walkable these parks are within certain parts of the of Baton Rouge. That is, you don't have to get in a car and drive and load right. up all your kids. You know, we, with the help of some crosswalks, we're now able to push my son in a stroller and cross the street and walk to the park perfectly fine on sidewalks and then have fun with him outside and swings and everything of that nature. And using those free amenities, we kind of take it for granted almost. Whenever we go to stuff where we got to pay, we're like, wait, we got to pay? And it's like, well, I get everything else for free, I guess. <laughs> you know, I guess it's okay if we have to pay for this to help sustain that and even do it better. Because those require a whole lot more upkeep on the golf course end 
than a park does, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, and that, that's where most of your tax dollar goes, too, you know, and I often, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge to, to communicate to folks sometimes because some folks say, hey, I'll pay my tax dollars. I should, I should play golf for free. I should go to zoo for free. I should go to Liberty Lagoon for free. I should... <laughs> <laughs> I should it should be included. <laughs> I should use your building for free and all those sort of things like that. And, and you know, what we try and share is that um, at the core things that we do, right, the, 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 the design, the plan, the construction of a park, um, that, that's ultimately what we're about. And we would never charge for somebody to go to a park <laughs> because you're paying for that with your tax dollars. But then when we get to other things where we have to pay electricity for, uh, whether it's a facility or whether it's a golf course or whether it's the zoo, things that we have additional expenses for, we try and recover some of that uh, uh, through charging fees that allows us to, to, again, continue to focus on our core mission. And so the fees just allows us to do more. I mean, it's no different than a partnership where you're working with somebody and they may be able to provide something uh, whether it's a school partnership where we have public access to a track that a school has um, or, or whether it's charging a fee, all of that is centered around how do we how do we provide more opportunities for the public to, to, to get outside and be active. So, Absolutely. And on the, the park front, the Liberty Lagoon is a recent opening, right? When did you all open up Liberty Lagoon? Liberty Lagoon probably opened up in 2008 or so it's 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 been okay. over 10 years maybe 2010 or so uh but it's it's been uh open a while but just like any other major attraction every few years we have to bring something new there um uh, i always you know use the comparison about disney right disney has enough money to do anything they want in the world uh but even disney every three to five years is showing a new Batman ride or a new, you know, this ride, Superman ride or something like that. And that's part of just having a main attraction. You have to keep it fresh. And so we did uh, recently expand the size of, 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 of uh, Liberty Lagoon. Uh, a few years ago, we, we added the, the surf uh, simulation machine. It's the only place you can uh, simulate surfing in in Louisiana. We have it right here in Baton Rouge, and we, we have tournaments from all over the country that actually come and really? use that, that, that. I didn't facility. even know we had that. Yes. I didn't even know that was a part of it. Yes, yes, yes. For 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 a small additional fee, you, you can uh, you can surf uh, as much as you want at Liberty Lagoon, and sometimes even when we don't open a park, we just open the surf simulator uh, because it's a it's a big hit and a big big attraction, along with all the other big slides and stuff that we have, and so. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, um, you know, all of these assets we had are, are living things that need to be updated and refreshed um, um, so that, you know, we, we keep them. Because uh, people want quality, you know. They, they say, Breck, stop doing all this new stuff and let's, let's take care of the stuff that we have. And so that's what we're doing at Liberty Lagoon and uh, everywhere else in the parish in, in terms of improvements to, to the park system. So how many parks are there? And if. Do you know off the top of your head first how many parks you'll have? Yes, uh, we have 175 plus parks. The, the number moves every every now and then. We're either acquiring or selling or something like that. So, 175. Would you like me to name all 175? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just. I wanted to show the scale at which the parks that are available within the community. Right. right. I, 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 I probably will stop at 20. So I'm glad you didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I didn't realize it was that many. And look, we have we have um, 
12, soon to be 13 community parks. You know, you think about your your Highland, your City Park, your Forest, your Perkins, North Sherwood, uh, Anna T. Those are our community parks. And so Airline is going to be our 13th community parks. But you can just do the quick math on that. That that leaves us with 150-plus neighborhood parks. And, and that's, you know, uh, prior to 2004 when we had the Imagine Your Parks plan and created these community parks, uh, we were solely a neighborhood parks. And that's still... Uh, at the heart of what we do. In fact, you talked about walking to Goodwood. It's, it's our mission. One of our goals is to make sure that uh, 100%, at least at, at a minimum in the city of Baton Rouge, we want 100% of those residents, all 225,000 or 250, I can't remember what the number is now. We want all of them to have that same access, to be able to walk to a park uh, within 10 minutes or, or half a mile is, is what our plan is. And if it's not a full-scale park, it may be a school playground. We're working with the schools right now on joint use agreements. Um, if, it's, if it's not a school playground, maybe it's a, a lot that we've purchased and renovated and just cut the grass to make sure that people have green space to, to go out and relax or exercise or do whatever they can. So that's one of the main things that we're working on as, as one of our goals. You know, the Trust for Public Land uh, does a ranking. And in 2020, we were, uh, they do a ranking of the top 100 most populous cities. And we're fortunate enough uh, to be in that list with, with 225,000 in, in Baton Rouge. I think it makes us maybe the 90-something most populous. We're in the uh, list. City. We're on the <laughs> we're list. We're on the list. In 2020, uh, we were ranked 92nd on that list. Uh, last year, we were ranked 72nd on that list, and this year, we're up to 67. Now, that's just the city of Baton Rouge. Uh, you would think, wow, you have 175 parks. You should be number one on the list. Uh, but there are a lot of communities that, that did a better job before you and I were ever thought about in terms of planning and designing their city yeah. to ensure that, that folks, so San Francisco, Minnesota, they're always you know, one in two in terms of all their citizens having uh, access to, to a park within a half a mile. So we're, we're moving up the list. We're moving pretty <laughs> rapidly, I would say. I yes. And that's within, what, three years? We've gone from 90-something down to 60? Yeah, 67. I, I, yeah, but we're, we're, we're moving. And so that, that is one of the goals we have. And, again, that's just not to move up a list, right? That, that's, that's to that's, provide folks That's just a tangible number that we can say we've got that you have, yeah. right? No, to, so, yeah, and, that, and that's how we measure it. You're right. That, that's how we measure it. But we know how important it is for folks to be able to do that. You know, we talked about health. Um, but there are so, so many other things. Education, you know, folks don't think about parks for education, but when a kid is playing, whether he's climbing up, a, 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 you know, the monkey bars or whether he's playing with a group of kids he's never met before, they're developing important social skills and how to get along with folks and all sorts of things. They're learning all of that stuff. Um, you know, you say you live around Goodwood. We know that the property values uh, around a, a well-maintained park increase as a result of a park. Think about a golf course, right? Yeah. We cut the grass every day there. That's why the <laughs> that's why the, the home price best grass are, in the whole all the whole block. <laughs> right, 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 right. So so those are 
other benefits outside of just health and wellness. Um, we know an active park is a safe park, right? Criminals aren't coming around where, well, lately, I, I wouldn't put anything past criminals now. They, you know, But typically, when there's an active park, uh, criminals don't want to come there and do their business. Well, as if, you know, if it's a, a poorly lit, dark place where nobody comes, then, yeah, they'll probably take advantage of a place <laughs> yeah. like that. So we, we, we try uh, and understand all the benefits environmental, right? We know that, you know, we're in South Louisiana, it gets hot. You know, we have so many trees that provide shade, uh, so much green grass that, uh, you know, in 2016, our, our parks held almost 10 billion gallons of water. Uh, that's water that would otherwise be in, in, in your home or my home or, or your business or our businesses. And so, um, so many benefits that we want to provide that access to everybody. Absolutely. Yes. And I think yes. it to go on a, a step further within the point of having everybody accessible parks mm-hmm. is also having a conversation of we don't like walkers in Baton Rouge. <laughs> you know, like if you see a walker, you're like, right. what are they? Well, why are you walking? <laughs> right. You know, it's like it's almost taboo to walk in Baton Rouge. Where are you coming from or where are you going? Right? <laughs> right, where are you coming from? Where are you going? You know, when we. We were we walked to the park frequently when we were training. I say training. We were training our, our infant to sit in a backpack carrier because we were going to go hiking later on that year. Okay. And we were those people walking on the side of the road with a with a backpack carrier, a kid in there, and hiking boots. I'm like, I know we're getting some funny looks because this is not the norm. It's not the norm for people to see you walking down the road in hiking boots and a backpack carrier. But it's like, how do we get that to be, no, we want to see more of that. We want to see a lot more people walking to get to their parks because you're getting your exercise in, you're being outdoors even right. longer, and it's getting more cars off the road potentially. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about helping alleviate some traffic concerns that people oh, yeah. have. Yeah, and so when we talk about you know people having access, you know we, we want safe access, right? right. Because quite <laughs> frankly, part part of the reason, and we talked about how other um, cities you know were able to plan um, um, a walkable city, you know. We have areas in Baton Rouge where you may be, uh, you know, two blocks from a park, but there's an interstate that prevents you from getting there. You know what I mean? And so, right. and so <laughs> how, do we, how do we provide safe access? And, and recently we were fortunate to work with DOTD, uh, City Parish, um, uh, several other stakeholders to, to uh, pass. Uh, the mayor was very instrumental uh, the bike and pedestrian master plan. So we now have a master plan of connectivity. It's over 400 miles of trails in the entire parish. Uh, Breck is responsible for 200 plus miles off road, and City Parish is responsible for all you know a, another 200 miles that that are on roads in terms of uh, uh, striping and, and safe bike lanes. They actually just completed a great one on Hyacinth that connects to two of our off-road uh, paths. And so, um, so that, that is a plan that's out there that, that, that will provide that connectivity. And, and, you know, sometimes when we talk about bike and pedestrian trails, you know, people get the idea that we're talking about, you know, jump on your thousand dollar uh, bike and put on your fancy Nike uniform and, 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 and ride around. But oftentimes, in fact, that bike and pedestrian master plan was funded by the feds because Baton Rouge is one of the leader in uh, vehicular homicides of pedestrians. And, yeah. um, and, and so we were able to get that funding to develop that plan, and we're actively working on 
implementing that plan. Now, you know, most people probably don't realize it's between 500000 to a million dollars to build just one mile of trail. And so I just told you we have a plan for one for mile. Yes, yes, yes. Holy yes. smokes. You're right, right. Quick right. math. That's a lot of money to that's build all those miles. Money. That's a lot of money. So so we're 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 looking under every rock and tapping <laughs> on every door uh, in terms of federal grants, partnerships uh, to be able to to bring that plan to fruition. And I think having that is great. But then it's also how do we get the public to know about it? Right. You know, how right. do we get them right. educated on what is happening, what Breck is doing? You yes. know, you've got a hundred and how many parts? Hundred seventy parks. Hundred seventy-five. Yeah. And I mean, how long it takes to go in, into detail about where those parks are, where they're located, what amenities oh, yeah. they have? Yeah. That's a yeah. lot of information to get out to the public. Yes, it is. And and look, um, <laughs> we spend well over a million dollars each year in marketing and advertisement. <laughs> And uh, one of the things that, you know, uh, uh, you know nags at us or, 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 or bugs us the most is when somebody say, oh, I didn't know Breck did that. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> there goes that million dollars. Right. <laughs> Could have built two miles worth of, worth right. of trails at that. <laughs> no, but look, we, we understand there's a lot that we provide. And um, as I always uh, tell the team, you know, we we. We're not uh, 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 discriminatory or, or distinctive about who we receive tax dollars from, right? We, we, right. Don't, we don't ask any questions, right? <laughs> we say if you own property, you have to pay taxes, regardless of your background, your race, your age. Your... We, we don't care who you a landowner. We don't care what send, your interests are. We don't right. care your sexual orientation. We just want you. Now, and so the obligation is now on us to serve all those people, right? right? <laughs> and so you think about 440,000 people uh, in the parish, and, and, and we serve, you know, well over millions of people each year because we have people coming from outside the parish to, to you know, participate in what we have. And all of them have the, all these diverse needs, you know, and, and, and how, do we, uh, how do we meet those needs, whether it's, you know, through partnerships or grants or providing the services ourselves, always trying to keep our thumb on the pulse of what people want to see with their tax dollars. We're constantly, and that's one of the, the secret sauces I think that we have, is that we're constantly engaging the community. In fact, we're working on a community engagement policy to even raise the level of our community engagement, uh, because I do believe that's the secret sauce of our success, to be able to say, what do you want to see? This is your money. You know, these are your tax dollars. Right. You know, I'm, we're just in a position to where we're, you know, taking care of it now. You know, 20 years from now, somebody else is going to be taking care of it. But now, and so what do you want to see? And we do that intentionally. And when people provide us the feedback, we take that seriously. We try and deliver on it. And, and it's just a, a cycle that, that happens every 10 or so years where we, you know, ask the public uh, to renew our taxes, but we try and uphold whatever promises we make. Right, and then being able to show them deliverables. So, oh, yeah. hey, this is what we've done. Oh, yeah. You may not know it, but here's everything we've <laughs> right, done. Right, right, And then yes. we're can still continuing to do more things. Yes, yes, You know, yes. so what what is, like, the, the landscape look like for the rest of the year of upcoming projects y'all have? Well, we, I mean, there's so many exciting things to go on. You know, it's a great time to be in Baton Rouge, I, I, I tell you. Um, I mean, the City Park uh, or the University Lakes Project is a transformative project uh, that's going to be unique 
to this entire, you know, we talk about Baton Rouge, but certainly the Southeast and maybe even the country. You know, LSU is one of the few uh, universities that has a lake system right on its campus. And so to be able to do the work that, that started in the 80s but that stopped because, you know, they didn't have enough funding or they, they didn't realize how hard it was going to be or whatever the case may be, uh, to now have the funding to do that, to see that work already underway, you know, at a minimum, worst case scenario, we're going to have five lakes uh, that are eight feet deep that, that have, you know, great fishing opportunities and kayaking and paddle boats. I mean, I, I mean, that's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, I mean, we're going to have this wonderful bridge um, at, at May Street where both uh, University Lake is connecting with City Park Lake and um, um, a lot of other uh, safe walking bike paths around uh, City Park. And so, so we're happy about that project, very excited. Um, on the south part of town, Airline Highway. It's going to be our 13th community park. Um, we're going to have a, uh, a bunch of pickleball courts there. That's one of the fastest. Pickleball cr- is like growing recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's one of the fastest growing sports in the country. And, 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 I'm like all ages. <laughs> yes, all ages. And we, we get constant requests for, for more pickleball courts. We've transformed several courts, uh, 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 several tennis courts across across the parish underutilized tennis courts. I, I, I make sure I say that before the tennis folks get mad at me. Uh, but, but yeah. Taking away our tennis courts. And so, and, you know, Airline, as I mentioned earlier, was one of those parks that held a lot of water. Uh, but we don't shy away from that. Again, we welcome the water because we know that's less water in houses and businesses. And so Airline is going to give us the opportunity to really show off how a park system manages water, how we can use it for recreational uh, amenities and, and, and how we can take on more water, um, release it slowly so it's not, uh, you know, disturbing another community uh, and those sort of things like that. So we're excited about uh, what's happening out at Airline. And again, Airline is going to be a community park. So thank Big Playground, thank Splash Pad, thank Ball Fields, think of a park that you can spend the entire day at um, as opposed to, to your neighborhood park. So um, so what, what is the difference between a neighborhood and a community park? Neighborhood park is, is typically your, your good wood and, and just has maybe a little walking trail, um, may have some swings, it may have some playground equipment, uh, but it's n- typically not going to have multiple ball fields. It's not going to have a lake. It's not going to have a splash pad. Uh, it's not going to have a recreation center. Uh, those are our, our, our community parks. Uh, Perkins Road, right? Perkins Road has a skate park and mm-hmm. a football stadium and all sorts of uh, uh, amenities there. So uh, community parks are typically larger and serve a larger, you know, when we created them in 2000, in, in the late 2000s, four, five, six, seven, and eight is when most of them were developed. It was about a 10 minute drive. And so okay. we made sure that the entire parish was covered uh, by a 10 minute drive. And so that's how that's how uh, those sort of came through. And, that, and that's the distinction we make between a neighborhood park and a community park. Um, and on the north side of town, you know, we talked about City Park and in Mid-City. We talked about Airline. Uh, and on the north side of town is probably where, where we have the most activity going right now. Greenwood Community Park, our largest community park, 660 acres. 
uh, has a hundred acres. That's huge. Yes, it is. It's massive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it has a uh, hundred uh, of those acres are dedicated to the zoo. That that were that were, you know, great new amenities coming to the zoo. Uh, probably another 50, 60, 70 of those acres for for uh, J S Clark Golf Cart uh, that we're improving. Uh, Two million dollars to improve a nine million, uh, uh, nine million, a nine hole. Uh, golf course uh, out at Greenwood Community Park. And then the park itself, um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of great things there. So the zoo is going to have all these new exhibits, underwater viewing for the hippos, uh, giraffe feeding exhibit. You'll be able to uh, take your kid to the zoo and spend $5 on a piece of lettuce um, uh, to feed the giraffe. And, and, and if you've never done that before, bring a lot of money because the kids <laughs> never get, kids never get tired of feeding the giraffe and the giraffes never get tired of eating. So, uh, we're, 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 we're excited about bringing that, uh, to Baton Rouge as well. And the zoo's going to have a brand new, um, 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 building right in the middle of Greenwood park. And so no longer will people be coming down that, that two lane Thomas road, uh, to get to the zoo. Instead, they'll continue down Highway 19, make a right into Greenwood Park, and then have the opportunity to either go to the park or the zoo. Um, so that's over $50 million of improvements that's going on at Greenwood Community Park. And so those are just a few of the exciting things that are, that are hot happening around the parish. But uh, um, those those are some of the, the ones I'm most excited about. Yeah, no, those are incredible projects that i'm excited to see come to fruition you know, yes. i've got a i got a 10 month old and so oh, him yeah. being able to grow up <laughs> with all these different great things happening in the parish i'm excited for that man oh yes yes uh, you know as i mentioned it's a it's a great opportunity um um to be in baton rouge and you know as as a as a recovering entrepreneur myself <laughs> uh, you know again i, I had the was fortunate enough to do it do it for 10 years but one of the things um I, that that has shaped me was told to me right when I was 18 and, and I, I had my uncle who was fortunate who was my you know I didn't have my dad around he sort my uncle sort of raised me for for lack of a better term um, but but as I was you know leaving New Orleans for the first time and going to Atlanta uh, and you know if, you, if, you, if you're from Baton Rouge just like you're from New Orleans you see people leaving all the time call it the brain drain and again it's part of the reason I, I came back but my uncle said you know son there's nothing different about Atlanta or Austin or anything it's like you know they they have businesses they have uh, tax dollars <laughs> they have you know the public and the schools it's like the only difference you know that there's people there doing the work you know that there are people there that are, are doing the work to make sure that their cities thrive so he's like so you can go there and you know piggyback off of somebody else's work <laughs> or you can stay here and do the work. You know, I still believe, uh, South Louisiana is, is the best place, uh, uh, in the world. I've, I've, I've traveled quite extensively and there's no better place than, than, than this part of the, the country. And so, you know, I'm committed to, to, to making, doing the work, um, working with other leaders. You know, that's, that's what I see in other communities where leaders come together like City Park. I mean, it's a great example of, of the mayor, the governor, uh, the park and rec, uh, LSU superintendent, all coming together and saying this is important enough for our community to have. And we need to have more of that where, where 
whether it's, you know, city council or school board or whatever the case may be, working together to provide the best for our community. That That's the distinction that, that uh, you know, we see in these other uh, cities that we try and emulate, like like there's something special going on at these cities. You no, know, they they've decided uh, to to determine the priorities and work together. And I think we have the opportunity to do that here. Absolutely. Yes. I think we're we're well on the way to do that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things you can uh, you can go to Austin and be a be a small fish in a big pond, <laughs> or you can stay here in Baton Rouge and be a just a bigger size fish, maybe not a big fish, but a larger fish in, in a smaller, smaller pond. But uh, Baton Rouge is a great community. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, my family's here, for sure. Absolutely. So as we kind of start to wind down the show, we have a set list of questions we like to ask every guest. Okay. Um, the first one is, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Uh, I wish that I could... Uh, play and and watch sports as much as I did as a kid. Um, you know, with the football season uh, starting, uh, uh, you know, me and my friends were just sort of laughing about how we used to know all 53 people on all 32 NFL teams. You know, oh, I mean, so I mean, I mean, a we, lot of people. You, you you would know who the backup guard is and all those sort of things now. Now it'll be a challenge for me to name the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. You know what I mean? And so just don't get um, an opportunity. I mean, you know, again, certainly watching sports, but uh, playing sports. And I still try and remain active as possible. Um, I play with ancient athletes for, for <laughs> a couple years. and uh, But but not uh, – I don't get to do that as, as often – as I would like. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. I'm sorry if that's a boring answer. No, that's not a boring answer at all. <laughs> My gosh. I think everybody wishes we were a little bit more active right, right, than we right. were when we were younger. Yes, so no, by yes, all means. Yes. So what are, I mean, you've been all over the map in terms of business development and business experience. So, I mean, you've been an entrepreneur, you work with the recreational center and you've worked at a big six accounting firm. So mm -hmm. what are three lessons you've learned along the way throughout your career? Yeah, I, I would say um, a couple of uh, lessons that, um, you know, every, every, uh, well, a couple of things. One, and I say this a lot of times, there's, there's nothing new in this world, very rarely. Uh, there may be things new to you, right? Uh, I, I talk about that with the team all the time. There's somebody who's sitting in this same situation who has gone through what I've gone through. Uh, uh, there's somebody out in the world who, who's gone through what I've gone through before, <laughs> has experienced what I've experienced uh, before. Now, again, uh, we're all unique. You know, Baton Rouge is different than, than Austin and New York and all those sort of things. And so even though I can, you know, call up a, a counterpart and say, hey, have you ever dealt with this before? To our earlier point, I, I still know there's a, a different way it needs to be presented here in, in South Louisiana. But that, that's sort of the first lesson is, is not to be uh, overwhelmed with something that's new to you. There's nothing new in the world. It's just stuff that's new to you. Um, the, the, the other lessons 
I've I've learned is <laughs> we talked about it a little bit off camera that that it's that it's uh, it's okay to change your mind <laughs> when presented <laughs> new with information, new information. Right. Um, um, and I've I've learned that uh, even even at Breck where I've um, potentially committed to something and then had to, to to change my mind because there was new information presented. And so then you sit between do I change my mind and appear as a flip-flopper, but but I'm doing what I think is correct based on the information I have, or do I stick to my guns just to show that I'm committed to sticking to my guns? And I've I've always believed that it's better. There's not there's never a bad time to make a right decision, you know? If 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 um there's something we should have done two years ago that we're just doing now, that's that's fine. You know, as long as we make the right decision eventually. Uh, and sometimes you need additional information. Now, you're never going to have all the information to make a decision. And sometimes you need to make a decision. But um, I, I would, you know, one of the lessons is is, is it's okay to, to change your mind with, with present it with different information. And, and you know, the last one is is probably the most important one is, is, is um, you know, to, to, to find something you're passionate about and, and, and to do that um, uh, as hard as you can and, and, and let everything else uh, take care of itself. You know, uh, earlier I talked about some of the immature decisions I made. Um, um, and again, uh, not bad decisions, but decisions based on, you know, a 20 or 25-year-old brain. Um, and I talked about how I made the decision between corporate and criminal, right? And, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, who also went to Morehouse College with me, uh, I'm about to murder this uh, or, 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 or beat this quote up quite a bit. But, but, but basically, you know, find your passion and be, be the best at it. And so he, he, he has something about, you know, whether it's a street sweeper, you know, be the best street sweeper ever. And I talked about how corporate versus criminal and, you know, corporate make the money and criminal. Well, you know, and one of my idols growing up was Johnny Cochran, right? Johnny Cochran was criminal, right? And, and But he was the best at it. And so everything else took care of itself in terms of finances and all those sort of things like that. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I, I would say find that thing that you love doing um, and, and don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about how much money you make, don't you know? All that stuff will take care of itself. Uh, if if it, not, and again, it's it's okay to do a bunch of stuff on your way to learning <laughs> that passion, right? You got to learn what you want to do. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, use me as an example, right? English major, accounting major, worked at an accounting firm, uh, went to law school, uh, worked at a corporate firm, was an entrepreneur. And now I'm doing government business, right? And so, <laughs> you uh, them all. <laughs> somebody will say, "You never, you know, what is your passion, Court? I do now know that 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 what I do now, I'm very, very passionate about because it 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 satisfies uh, uh, a bunch of different things that 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 uh, motivates me. And 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 you know, I, I never talked about. I talked about how I had limited options. Um, but part of the reason I decided to be a lawyer so I can help people. Uh, and now 
just think about it. I'm in a job where I help millions of people, right? Versus being an attorney, you know, you're just helping your one client at that one time. And maybe you set a precedent for other people out, out in the community. But um, I have the ability to help as many people as I do. Uh, I, I'm able to use my accounting and business and legal, all that stuff. Um, and, and, and in the park system, you know, I told you I was most, most athletic. And so I really love uh, uh, the athletic aspect of, of what we do in terms of parks and recreation. So it, it's, it's, I grew up playing on, on a park. And if it wasn't for me growing up on that park, I wouldn't be sitting here because it provided the confidence that I have. And it showed me how to not be socially awkward and meet other people. <laughs> and it showed me how to lose gracefully and how, how to win humbly and not brag and all those sort of things like that. And so, you know, when I just reflect back on all of that and see where I'm at now, I mean, there, there's, there's no other place I'd rather be. And so uh, took me a while to get here, but uh, I'm glad I'm here. And, and, and that's, you know, a bit of advice I would share with anyone out there. Absolutely. And then combining your first and your third, it's okay for your passions to change over time. Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> yes they can yes, shift. Yes. And at the time, you may be passionate about one thing, but it's right, okay to right, shift right, right, over right. time to something, again, with that new information. Yes. So I, yes that's yes. incredible. The work is required, though. You know, I, I, the social media has, has allowed people to think that there are a lot of quick wins or quick hits or this is how you make quick yeah. money or this is how you do that. But yeah. you know, right. We, we it, talked it, about your no. journey of, of working at a kitchen table and working in your backyard. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a journey. And if you put the work in, if you put enough hours in, you begin to separate yourself from the rest of the group. So, right. And then they may not see you until you've already reached <laughs> that next level. <laughs> Nobody you know, sees the work. <laughs> that's the trouble, right? Right. Right. And right. That's, right. I mean, in part, that's kind of what I love about this show is you can go back to 19 when we first started and see that progression right, of right. where the show's gone, which is kind of a unique element of what we have within the show is that we can go back that far and we've recorded all this stuff. All mm -hmm. the stuff's out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's then how can you document in a way over time people can see, okay, no, it didn't just happen overnight. Right, it right. took them 5, 10, 15 years to yeah. get to where they are now. There is no secret sauce. There is no overnight success. <laughs> right, you know, right, right, right. I love using the phrase the best overnight success was 10 years in the making. Yes. All those sleepless nights, oh, yeah, those yeah. countless hours you put in perfecting whatever it is you're doing, not everybody's going to see that. They're only going to see that end result. And so mm -hmm. it's having conversations like this of, you know, the projects that Breck's doing, the time it's taking to complete these projects is all part of of getting to that end goal of enjoyment and people furthering their mental, their physical health within these facilities. But it takes time. Yes. And we've yes. got to be patient within that. Yeah, and you have to do your part and do the work and put yourself in a position so when an opportunity happens, you're able to 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 to, to put that work and that opportunity together. You know, people talk about luck and all those sort of things, but uh, you, you have to put the work in uh, because there there is going to be an opportunity. Right. And if you're not ready for the opportunity, you, you could be the right. quote unquote luckiest person in the world. But if you weren't exactly. building to that position exactly. where you can accept it or start working in that way, it's yeah, it's moot. You yeah. know, there's and nothing you're you going to need a few it. breaks along the way. You know, I, I went to Morehouse because a counselor told me I should go to Morehouse. I went to Harvard because, you know, uh, somebody told me I should go to Harvard and uh I went to Breck because somebody called and said you should work at Breck, and I got to be the superintendent because my, you know my my, per, uh, my predecessor retired. But again, 
all along I was doing things to put myself in a position that if something like that happened, the opportunity to go to Morehouse, oh, I got the grades to get in. If the opportunity for Harvard presented itself, oh, I did well enough in college to get in. And so you always have to do the work because you never know what the opportunity is going to be. Right. You weren't sitting down, you know, (laughs) waiting for someone to say, oh, you should go here. And by the way, here's your acceptance letter. You were busting your butt every single day, making sure that if given the opportunity, you were ready to go. Yes. Yes. And so, again, you may not even be doing your passion right now. But do whatever you're doing to the best of your ability because it's going to provide other opportunities that hopefully leads to your passion. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you love about Baton Rouge? Oh, I love about Baton Rouge. Uh, I mean, everything that's, that's, that's South Louisiana. Um, we, 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 we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we don't allow other people to talk about us. So, uh, <laughs> We're quick to defend. <laughs> yes, I, I, I love the fact that we, we, we love uh, our, our hometown, but... Um, you know, all, all the cultural things about, about everything from, from the food to the people. But, I mean, it's the people that ultimately separate this part of the country from, from everywhere else. Um, you know, we go through a lot, um, but, but then we help each other a lot. You know, that was pretty, pretty uh, frustrating a little bit, you know, when we went through the whole COVID-19 because, you know, I, I, I've seen people who, you know, wade through <laughs> miles of water to go and help someone that they don't even know. Uh, but then when we got into the COVID-19, we, we didn't even want to wear a mask to help our folks. And so I, did, I didn't quite understand uh, uh, some of that. And that was a little bit frustrating because I know as a people, we, we, we generally uh, care about each other. But everything from the music to the food uh, to the people, uh, the events, uh, uh, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't, wouldn't rather be anywhere else, you know. And again, you know, I, you know, I like to think I have an opportunity to go wherever I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting yourself in a position to be ready. Yes, yes, when yes. Opportunity uh, exactly. I have an opportunity to live anywhere I want to in, in the country and, quite frankly, in the world. Uh, but I choose to be here because uh, of the work that we're doing the community. Uh, my daughter loves her school. We love our neighborhood. My wife loves her job. I love my job. Um, every, everything is, is here. And again, I, you know, talk about the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot of great things happening here in Baton Rouge. So it's a good place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. Good, good, good. <laughs> so for the final question, what can I do to help you? Well, I mean, if you can just, uh, share some of the information that that you learned today um whether it's how much a trail costs or how many parks we have <laughs> or <laughs> all the great things that we're doing and and why people should should remain here in baton rouge uh, let people know again my background is business more than it is parks and recreation and so uh, as the team knows I'm, I'm all about business deals and partnerships and how can we work together to provide the community what they need. And so as you work on, on a, a show about local entrepreneurs and businesses, uh, if there's any opportunities where somebody else's mission crosses uh, with Breck's mission, uh, we'd love to partner with them because we, we, we firmly believe that, that we can do more with more. <laughs> uh, seems pretty simple. But uh, the more resources we have through partnerships, we can help uh, other local small businesses 
um, um, you know, meet their goals in terms of what they're trying to do while at the same time helping us achieve our goals. In fact, we just created a small business opportunity program uh, last year where we're intentionally, every, every contract that we put out, every agreement that we sign, you know, we stop for a second and ask the question, is there a small, local, minority, women-owned, veteran-owned business that can do this work? Uh, and if it is, we want to know about them because we want to we want to spend our money as equitably as 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 we receive it. You know, Baton Rouge is is you know East Baton Rouge Parish for, for you know it's it's you know um, about forty five forty five in terms of black and white, and then you have a small percentage of Asian and Hispanic, and, and we want to be reflective of that in everything we do from from the way we spend our dollars to who we hire to how we serve people and who we serve um and so if you can help me get that word out i appreciate it we'll do what we can all right um what is the best place for people to go and find out more information about Breck? yeah our website www is that too many w's or three w's <laughs> dot breck dot org um pretty pretty uh simple We're, we are working on revising it but there's tons and tons and tons of information uh everything from the programs that we're offering uh that whole partnership you know we had a call for partnerships where we're looking for people to submit proposals to us you can find that on the website you can find our financial statements our audits um and then you can find out about who's on our board uh, upcoming projects, all sorts of things. You can find out about which parks in your neighborhood, what events are going on in your neighborhood. Uh, all that is at uh, breck.org. And um, I, I'd, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't mention to follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, as well as Instagram. And nice. maybe even uh, Snapchat and t- Snapchat and TikTok too. I'm not, I can't. It's hard for me to keep up. <laughs> There's but, so many uh, different platforms. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Corey. I really appreciate your thank time. You for having me. And I'm glad that we were able to get this connected, and we we're all able to kind of sit in this room and have a conversation. There's a lot more to come, but I'm glad we we're able to at least get this thing started, man. Thank you. We're working on the same thing, trying to trying to keep folks here in Baton Rouge. So. Absolutely. I appreciate the work that you're doing, and thanks again for having me. You are more than welcome. And thank you, everybody else, for watching or listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I know the guests do as well. If you are in Baton Rouge or maybe you're curious about what the recreation centers look like here, go check out their website, breck.org. We're going to be linking them in the show notes and on social medias as well. So be sure to follow them and check out everything that they've got going on. And if you're not even aware if there's a park within where you live, go to their website look at what they've got. I mean, it's 170 plus parks. There's so much out there for people to do within the communities. There's no reason why you should be sitting at home saying there's nothing to do here. There's a lot to do here. And if you don't know about it, go educate yourself and figure out what there is around you and just be outside some more. So thank you all so very much for listening to the show. This has been the latest episode of the Patty G Show. And thank you to the amazing people and businesses in the community that make this show possible, where you're going to hear a little bit more about them right now. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate.
reimagined. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left, but the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on, listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out, our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center, and tell them Patty G sent you.